It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Welcome to Quantum number 199. Again, please forgive me. This is uh, being recorded from Scotland and I'm still suffering the after effects of COVID. So my voice may not be as strong as normal. Okay, um, speaking of in fine voice, listen to these guys. the Rangers fans in Seville. Apparently 100,000 of them went. Perhaps up to 15,000 of them managed to get tickets. It was quite extraordinary, uh, showing the importance of, of football for many people. Now, I did watch the game. Uh, congratulations to Eintracht Frankfurt. You didn't deserve to win. Rangers should have won that game. But that's the way it is, especially when it goes to penalties. And the golden rule in life is that the Germans always win on penalties. But what I'm interested in here is the importance of football to so many people. So I actually heard on BBC Radio Scotland a man from Sydney and another from Perth who travelled to Spain, to Seville, for just that game. I think it was the man from Perth who said it had cost him $10,000. That's £5,000. What was it Bill Shankly said about football being a matter of life and death? No, it's more important than that. Well, for many people, it is. Now, I love football, but to place that level of importance, a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks. But football can also be a mirror. In the UK, there's great excitement on the BBC and elsewhere that uh, the footballer Jack Daniels, the Blackpool forward, has come out as gay. And... The, all the usual stuff. This was headline news. I mean, it's quite bizarre, the... What is it called? The Wagatha Christie trial and a gay footballer being the headline news when there's financial crisis, when there's war in Ukraine, when there's COVID and so on. But it does show the priorities. And we see that again in football with Paris Saint-Germain, Idrissa Gouaye, I think his name is. And he's having to answer allegations that he missed his team's last League One match in protest at the division gesture in support of LGBTQ plus I plus rights. Every team in the French top flight wore rainbow coloured numbers in their matches to mark the 2022 International Day Against Homophobia. Grave played no part in PSG's class with Montpellier and it was said it was for personal reasons. Now, the most chilling thing is a letter that's come from the French Football Federation's ethics board. It says this, One of two things, either the hypothesis are unfounded, and we invite you to immediately express yourself in order to silence these rumours, or the rumours are true. 
In this case, we ask you to be aware of the impact of your actions and the very serious error committed. In refusing to take part in this collective initiative, you are validating discriminatory behaviour and not only against the LGBTQI plus community. Well, it seems to me that the player, the African player here, is the one being discriminated against. Why should anyone be compelled to wear a symbol that should be voluntary? And in sticking with this subject, the BBC, I'm here back in the UK, and it's like the BBC are obsessed with homosexuality. And I'm trying to work out why this is. I don't think particularly because they care. I think it's because it's virtue signalling and because this is the new morality and this is the way to say that you're sound. So even Women's Hour was on about this male footballer. And I think the rest of the day I just kept hearing about different people who are homosexual. Even watching MasterChef, it strikes me the number of gay people on it who are saying, my husband, my husband this, and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe the tiny percentage of married people who are gay, maybe they just turn out to be really good chefs. Or is this the BBC working again on its diversity quota? Which is not really diverse, is it, again, because they, they choose some privileged groups and not others. Meanwhile, the Royal Mint has revealed a new 50p coin to mark the 50th anniversary of the UK Pride movement. The new coin has been designed by East London artist and activist Dominic Holmes, and it features the historic Pride progression flag, and is inscribed with Pride in London's values of protest, visibility, unity and equality in rainbows. Now the other thing I've noticed here, and I'm, I'm coming back sticking to the football, is uh, the obsession with women's football. Now, I have no problem with women's football. I have known some women footballers, and if people want to watch it, that's fine. I have no interest in watching it. Um, but if you want to watch it, that's fine. If people want to play it, encourage it all the more. Great stuff. What I do have a problem with is being told what we should watch and being told that men and women's football are the same. No, they're not. They absolutely are not. And there's an astonishing thing here from the U.S., so in the US, the top men and women's, and they call it soccer, soccer teams in the international team, have agreed labour deals that guarantee equal pay and shared World Cup prize money. Now, the Women's World Cup competed for a prize pool of $30 million. The Men's World Cup will split $450 million. There's a reason for that. And it's not discrimination. It's what people want to see. It's what people want to watch. But this idea that equal pay, for what? I would go for equal pay if men and women didn't have separate leagues and played in the same league. But then, of course, you'd have virtually no women footballers in major competitions. So we know that they're different. So why this bizarre obsession? I don't think that the US are demanding, for example, that um, road sweepers should be paid the same as surgeons. Or that farm workers paid the same as CEOs. So what's the reason involved here? And even worse in the US, when they can't even tell you what a woman is, and they're destroying women's sport. Look at them yo-yos, that's the way you do it. You play the guitar on MTV. That ain't working, that's the way you do it. Money for nothing and your chicks for free. 
that of course is Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. And now, we've just had news in the United Kingdom that the inflation rate has risen to 9% in April, up from 7% in March, and the highest since 1982. The Bank of England is expecting the annual rate to go over 10%, and it will see an enormous squeeze on incomes, the highest squeeze on incomes since records began in the 1950s. Now, there are different reasons for this. The war in Ukraine, energy prices, which are affected by that, and also the climate change measures, the COVID measures, and then also this. During the pandemic, some £500 billion was printed by the Bank of England, a huge sum that caused very little public debate. That quantitative easing, those who were sceptical about it, argued it would cause inflation. Now, is this true? Mervyn King, the former governor of the Bank of England, says that it is. The bank printed too much money. Government stepped in and put in a lot of money for furlough schemes or raising unemployment benefits. That was sensible. The problem was that central banks also printed a great deal of money and that wasn't needed. Now, inflation follows when that happens. That's classic economic theory and it's been classic historical economics. So again, it seemed easy, didn't it? Just print some money, just print some more. But now we're paying the price and especially the poor. All right, I've been looking at my top 10 concerts and I'm here as when I'm recording just now, I'm looking at the window and I'm looking towards Baloch. And it reminds me of my number seven concert. Uh, I wasn't at this concert, uh, I, but I'm say, playing it because this was run rig at uh, Baloch and Loch Lomond. This is the song Loch Lomond. I've heard them play it several times. Uh, my favourite gig of theirs was in the TV at Royal Union at, in George Square at the University of Edinburgh. So enjoy a little bit of Bayonne Bonnie Banks. Steve's eyes 
fabulous song. Go and have a look at it. All right, we can't forget Ukraine. A couple of things out of Ukraine. Firstly, Turkey at the moment has blocked NATO's initial decision to process requests by Finland and Sweden to join the military alliance. And they are going to, I think, get their money out of the other allies in order to let Norway and Finland, not Norway, but Sweden and Finland join. Now, there's a fascinating aspect in terms of reporting. The Ukrainian fighters who've had a heroic fight in the Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol have surrendered now after a battle lasting almost three months. Now, they did surrender, but you wouldn't know that from Western media like the BBC, CNN, New York Times and others. The BBC, for example, Mariupol, hundreds of besieged Ukrainian soldiers evacuated. The Guardian, hundreds of Ukrainian troops evacuated. The Times, Azov-style steelworks evacuated as Ukraine ends combat mission in Mariupol. Washington Post, Azov-style fighters evacuated. New York Times, and so on. Now, an evacuation is what happened at Dunkirk when you send boats or planes or vehicles to transport your own troops away. Dunkirk was an evacuation. But the Ukrainians surrendered. Now, I think they had to. I think they fought incredibly well. But why is it reported in this way? Now, this has got nothing to do with being pro-Russian, but it's just got to do with speaking the truth. And if the Western media is going to behave like Pravda, why should we trust them? Just one other thing. We mentioned the financial crisis and the, the food aspect of that is going to be phenomenal, especially for the poor. Well, it appears that Vladimir Putin is weaponizing global food supplies by stealing grain, destroying agricultural equipment and preventing the huge grain harvests from Ukraine from going out to the rest of the world. The UN estimates that 1.7 billion people in over 100 countries are being impacted by the current surge in food, energy and commodity prices. Again, I think this is going to get a lot worse. Now, by the way, I understand why Putin does that. We are sending in weapons to the Ukrainians to kill his soldiers. He's going to fight back in some way. Um, I think it's horrendous. I think war is horrendous. This is not good news. All right, let's come to Australia. And here's a song that you may not think has to do with Australia. A church house, gin house. A schoolhouse, outhouse. On highway number 19. The people keep the city clean. That is Ike and Tina Turner, Nutbush, City Limits. 
It's an American song, of course, but I mention it just purely and simply because um, I've come across this rather weird tradition in Australia of um, lots of people after school dances and so on, they've developed this Australian version of the dance. I'll put a link to it on the website. But uh, I do think it's quite funny um, that, that how certain things take hold. Now, speaking of dancing and politics, we are into the final couple of days of the election. By the time this goes out, the people will be voting. In fact, they already are voting postally and we'll know the result very soon this weekend. Uh, it looks, according to all the opinion polls, it looks as though the Labour leader, Anthony Albanese, will win and will be the next uh, Prime Minister. However, there's some doubt begun to creep in because the polls have tightened a bit, because Albanese's had a pretty dreadful campaign because Scott Morrison last weekend had a brilliant weekend. And maybe, just maybe, the polls have got it wrong again. Who knows? But pray for Australia. I've written about this um, on the website and a link is put to that as well. So let's turn to our woke world. Former First Lady Michelle Obama has, uh, in a Instagram post, spelt the word woman, womix. Now, what do we mean by that? Uh, W-M-X-N. Why has she done that? Well, the spelling of the word woman is, you, is con according to some progressives, it has problematic patriarchal roots. So we're, we are going to, by the way, legislate or define women out of existence. I didn't, don't even know how to pronounce womix. Um, Michelle Obama's meant to be defending women's rights. This doesn't seem the good way to do it. Anyway, um, let's think about the spirit in the sky. Greenbaum's song, Spirit in the Sky. I, oh my goodness. Sometimes I wonder what Justin Trudeau has been drinking. He, on the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia and Biphobia, 
He issued a statement saying, We join members of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and two-spirit communities in Canada and around the world to reaffirm our commitment to ensuring everyone can feel safe and be themselves, regardless of their sexual orientation, gender identity and gender expression. Diversity and inclusion are among Canada's greatest strengths and the Government of Canada will always stand up for LGBTQ2 people and their rights. Today and every day, I encourage all Canadians to work together and help build better and more inclusive communities across the country. Together, we're building a world where we can all be who we are and love who we love. So, Justin, I'm a murderer. I'm a rapist. I'm a racist. I use blackface. Is that okay? Can I be who I am? Love who I love? What if I love people who are already married? What if I love children in the way that you're using the word love? What if I love my brother in the way that you're using the word love? Because you don't mean it. It's a ridiculous statement. And as for the, the, the unity and the inclusivity and, and the diversity, that's not going to happen. That only happens. Greenbound song, you got a friend in Jesus. Well, we need the Holy Spirit and we need Christ. We need the Father, the Son and the Spirit to have that. And then this. Doctor Who, guess what? It's the most woke show in Britain and it's going to have its first trans actress as Yasmin Finney is cast as Rose. And we are told it will be confusing. Yeah, right. Well, that's a pretty good summary of the trans position. And on the same lines, just an amazing tweet from James Esses who showed the Royal College of Nursing had announced a drag event for children from zero to seven. And he asked, in what way is this relevant to your work and why should children be exposed to potential sexualization or sexist stereotypes? Indeed. Now, speaking of transgender, there is an excellent podcast called Undeceptions. I listen to every single one. It's hosted by John Dixon. It is normally excellent, sometimes outstanding. Occasionally, I have problems with it. And um, the transgender one, I'm afraid I had a lot of problems with it. So just let me give you a couple of examples. Here's the first. Gender dysphoria is defined in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM, as, quote, a clinically significant distress or impairment related to a strong desire to be of another gender. According to the DSM, somewhere between 5 and 14 people per thousand assigned male at birth are later diagnosed with gender dysphoria. The numbers are lower for those assigned female at birth, between 2 and 3 per thousand. Those statistics refer to people who seek formal treatment, so they're likely to be an underestimate. 
This is such a fraught topic, and not just in the Christian arena. There are plenty of people, psychologists included, who... what's wrong with that is... Well, what's interesting with it, actually... And the podcast, by the way, has a lot of good stuff in it, this particular one, uh, and a lot of positive things. So it's done in an Irenic spirit. I like the fact that someone's story gets told. I like the interviews with Mark Yarhouse. It's a lengthy podcast, which I appreciate. But there are aspects of it that are deeply concerning. And let me put it this way. I think in Christian terms, it scores more own goals than goals. So the clip you just heard talks about people who are assigned their gender at birth. Now, what's wrong with that? You're not assigned your gender at birth. Nobody goes, hmm, I think we'll assign this one a boy and this one a girl just to keep our quotas up. But it gets worse. Now listen to this. Could you give me definitions of uh, transgender? And is that the same as transsexual? So transgender is really an umbrella term for many ways that people experience or express or live out a gender identity that doesn't correspond with their biological markers like chromosomes, gonads, genitalia. And so, um, but usually what it refers to is a cross-gender identity. So trans meaning... Uh, spanning across versus cisgender, which is this side of, cis being this side of versus trans. So The term cisgender refers to people whose gender identity and expression matches the biological sex they were assigned with when they were born. Cisgender was coined in an academic journal article way back in the 1990s, but it's been picked up in popular culture only in the last, I don't know, 10 years. Biological sex assigned at birth. No, no. Biological sex is biological. The key is in the name. Now, perhaps John misspoke, but then the editor should have picked up on that. This is a very, very well-produced podcast. Now, what's happening here is this is using the language of queer theory. This is using the language of the trans ideologues. And it's enormously harmful. So, for example, picking up on the idea of an intersex condition of the brain, male and female brains. Really? We want to go back there? There are male brains and there are female brains? My friend Steve McAlpine has an absolutely excellent essay on this particular, or article, well, it's an essay, it's long enough to be an essay, on this particular subject. And he says, well, I guess you just to read it, and he talks about how undeceptions is meant, you know, is to undeceive us. But he talks about how the biggest deception around the trans issue is that the many Christian and non-Christians, both self-identifying conservative and self-identifying progressive, believe that the true deception being experienced around this matter is a public deception and it needs to be exposed. And incidentally, it needs to be exposed because one of the issues that was not covered was the impact of this upon children and in schools. And here's an example from the UK where a baroness went and gave a talk to sixth form students at a private girls' school a few weeks ago. One girl was surrounded afterwards by a large crowd of her fellow pupils. They shouted, screamed, swore and spat at her. She escaped, but then collapsed, unable to breathe properly. Instead of being supported by her teachers, if you want a case of bullying, this is it. What happened? The teachers ended up driving her out of the school. Their tormentors, the bullies, have been treated as victims. The school's head teacher apologised to the six formers for failing to maintain a safe space. The Guardian journalist Owen Jones wanted to interview the bullies, not the girl who'd been victimised. 
why she committed this enormous heresy. The Baroness's talk was on transphobia in Parliament, and this girl had suggested that sex may be biological and immutable, which it is. And she's now to be burned at the stake. Wow. Okay, just a brief clip coming up from uh, Reverend Sarah Brown of St. Macar's Cathedral in Aberdeen speaking to the Scottish Parliament. Those of you elected into your role know the weight of responsibility that comes from the power that you hold. The way in which you can change lives for ill or for good. Unlike the Scottish Parliament, commissioners come from congregations together to be the power and then disperse from those powers after the week of meetings. A week to discern the will of God and how our church moves forward to the ever-changing challenges before us and then a shared responsibility of implementing those decisions across the kirk. As our church changes shape and responds to the challenges of decline, we look for God's presence in new ways that are before us. Reconciling the number of churches to the decreasing number of ministers is not an easy task or time of transition. It comes at a painful time as we still wrestle with COVID and the grief that surrounds many with these past two years of a different way of life. Jesus in his humanity knows and understands grief and loss, perhaps the most powerful experiences we can travel through in life. He knows the answer is love, but even with love all around us, we will still experience anxiety, overwhelm and pain when we encounter death and change. Now, the Church of Scotland Assembly will be meeting over this weekend and the coming week. Interesting to hear Sarah Brown talking about hearing the voice of the people, discerning the will of God in the voice of the people, and speaking of a church in decline as a period of transition. Well, let me put it as simple as this. If the Church of Scotland does not return to the Lord of the Church and his word, it will not only die, and it is going to die, it will deserve to die. And no amount of language talking about being in transition will change that. I listened to a minister last Sunday give an interview about her work. And not once in the whole interview, not once, was God, Jesus or the Bible mentioned. Right, I don't want to end on that note, so here's some Syrian rap. <laughs> That is Rahim Brazil, a 14-year-old Syrian rapper on Al Jazeera, which, by the way, I've just begun to get into, and it's actually a rather good station. But I love these words. When my brother's hungry, I see my dad in pain. I see my dad in pain trying to hide his tears. I hug my mum so she can warm us up. Cold and hunger all around us. We're the next generation and God is listening to us. He hears my voice, me and my friends. We're saying we don't want to grow up without seeing the light. We don't want to see pieces of flesh and graves. We don't want to grow up in hunger and pain. Yeah, there's a war in Ukraine. But there's a war in Syria. There's in effect a war in Nigeria. South Sudan. Myanmar, many other places. We don't want to grow up without seeing the light. Well, I'll tell you what.
we began with the Germans and the Scots playing football. Let's have the Germans and the Scots and an American uh, joining together to praise God. This is Jesse, or sorry, Jelly Bosfield in Berlin with a couple of hundred pipers. Uh, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's what brings light. That's what brings unity. God bless you. See you next week. Hopefully my voice will have recovered. I'll still be here in Scotland, God willing. Uh, If you'd like to support this podcast, then go to the Podbean fundraiser. I've got lots of links to the various stories on the website, www.theweeflee.com. And also, if you've got any comments, questions, feel free to let me know. God bless you and may you know his amazing grace. Bye.